imagine a long eight-foot table, okay? A wooden table. They line the whole top with banana leaves. It's covered in banana leaves, right? Now they put everything on the banana leaves. They put the garlic rice. They put big giant shrimps. They put longanisa, which is Chinese sausage. Uh, what else? Oh, our barbecue. By the way, Filipino barbecue, the best barbecue. Welcome to Homemade. I'm Marty Duncan. Today on the show, we're going to get to know the ambassador of Filipino food, comedian and TV star Joe Coy. I know this is weird for me to even say, but my son doesn't know what rice is the way I knew rice. Rice was everything to me. Rice was breakfast, rice was lunch, rice for dinner. And I know there's a lot of people out there going, oh, Filipinos eat breakfast? Yes, we do. It's, it's just last night's dinner with an egg. That's all, that's all that is. Whether you know him from his Netflix or Comedy Central shows, his podcast, The Koi Pond, or maybe you've attended one of his sold-out shows somewhere around the world, or maybe like me, you remember him from Chelsea Lately, you probably know Joe Koi as a all-out Filipino fan, promoter, lover of all things Filipino food and culture. That's why I wanted to have him on the show today. Joe Koi, thank you for coming on the Homemade Podcast. Of course. I love it. I've also seen you like on every single late night television show, every single one of them. So I feel so honored that you've taken the time to come here and talk to us about one thing that's really close to your heart, and that's your food and your culture. 100. I mean, when it comes to like finding out someone's culture or or even their identity, food is the best way to explain it. You can find out a lot about people just through what they eat and what they like and what they love. And then it also tells the story of like where my mom came from. Instead of me saying it in words, just try this dish because it'll explain it. When people start eating Filipino food, they're like, wow, this is kind of like Spanish food. I'm like, boom, that opens up that whole thing about Filipinos are half Spanish. You know, they got the Spanish influence. You know what? Now things make more sense to me because every time I watch one of your videos or shows and I hear you talking in your mom's accent, me, your mom sounds like she's Hispanic, like she's Argentine or Mexican or something. I'm like, yeah, yeah. So now that makes sense to me. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of influences that go into the Filipino culture, and it's best explained through food, I think. I think that's the best way to get to know somebody is through their food. Before we really dive into the food in a big way, I want to talk to you about your Netflix show and how you did that big, giant thing that all of us want to do, but sometimes are maybe not brave enough to do and jump out on the limb and just do it yourself. Yeah. So had you been pitching shows to them, they didn't bite, and so you just decided to do it. Tell me how this first one came to be. Live from Seattle was uh, 2016. So if you could imagine, I started in 1989, and now it's 2016. Here I am trying to sell myself, even though I felt like I put in the time, I put in the work. My body of work shows and my fan base shows. I was selling out across the country. And I kept asking Netflix if they could just look at the hour because I felt that in my heart, this could be on Netflix. It should be on Netflix. And they kept turning it down and not coming out to see me. And it came to the point where they were just like, you know what, we'll we'll come and see you next year. And hopefully we'll get you in on 2018. So that one decision in 2016, if I would have just listened to them, None of this stuff that's happened since then would have happened because they would have waited till 2018 to see me, 2019 to shoot my first special. So like that one moment would have cost me three years. I knew I had to move. I had to move fast. I was 26, 27 years in and I had to make that move. I was just like, no, this is good. This is amazing. And I'm like, all right, let's shoot it. And uh, 
That's what happened. That's how I got live from Seattle. I literally hired the director, the producer, the lighting guy, the sound guy, the stage hands, the venue. I rented out the venue. I paid for everything on that. I was broke on stage. If you ever watch Life from Seattle on Netflix, I'm having a good time on stage, but in my head, my son is upstairs sleeping in the green room and I'm broke. I was like, is my son going to be able to go to private school next semester? Because this is, I'm tapped. Right. And thank God I shot it. It took me a couple months to cut it up myself. I sat in the editing room with the editors and, and I cut it up. And after we were done cutting it, we were like, we got one here. This is amazing. And literally we dropped it on the desk at Netflix and I'll have to say maybe three hours. It was on their desk. They gave us a call and like, don't ship that anywhere else. We're going to go ahead and buy that from you. I'm so glad. That's what happened, man. And that decision opened up the door for every single special after that. I ended up getting three more after that. I just signed another deal with Netflix for another special. That's an amazing so. story. And I think it just goes to show you that sometimes you and God know better than the experts. Exactly. So many times people will tell you you can't do something. And I just think you have to say, oh, yeah watch me watch this watch me i will yeah sometimes sometimes we listen to outside voices and that manipulates your decision too much sometimes that inner voice is your closest friend because it's you it's true and your inner voice is like man you got this listen to it it's telling you the truth there's no one else out there that's going to tell you what your inner voice wants to say and you know i think that's especially true when it comes to cooking kind of have to listen to your instincts sometimes yes you are so passionate about sharing Filipino cuisine and culture with the world. So I want your quick down and dirty version of an intro into Filipino food. Tell me what it's all about. The cool thing about Filipino food is it is literally a hybrid of, okay, you know how right now there's this big trend going on where they like fusion Everything's a fusion. It's like Korean barbecue hamburgers. And it's a big thing, you know, and it's, which is fun. I love doing it. And there's a lot of those hybrids. Filipino food has always been a hybrid. Every culture that came into the Philippines influenced it. That's why we have so many Chinese last names there. That's why we have people that look different there. We got Chinese influence in our food. Our noodle dishes are inspired by Chinese culture. Then, you know, we got Indian food that inspired us. We also have Spanish. You know, the Spanish colonized the Philippines for so many years. And so there's so many Spanish dishes. There's Spanish words and names. So that's what the Philippines is. It's literally just a big palette of spices. A melting pot. Yeah, it's everything. Kind of like America. A, yeah, exactly. From Alabama to Los Angeles, it's delicious all the way through. So that makes a little bit of sense about the adobo and the picadillo. Oh, picadillo. I'm so happy you said that, Marty, because picadillo is literally the same dish with just a couple tweaks, but it's the same dish. You go to Cuba, you can go to the Philippines. You're eating Spain. picadillo. You go to Spain. Yeah. It's the same. And that's what Filipino food is. And people don't know that about our food. That It's delicious. It's hearty. It's comforting. It's spices you never thought of that would be fused like soy sauce and vinegar with garlic. And that's it. Those are the main ingredients for our adobo. And I'm telling you, if I put a plate of adobo in front of you, Marty, you will fall in love with me. <laughs> I already did. I mean, I see your charm. Don't think I don't. I see it. <laughs> I saw you on Good Morning America make your chicken adobo. Oh, the best. Yeah, and that, that was my version of the chicken wing. One thing I noticed, they wouldn't quit eating it. 
Typically, no. the host will take a bite, but they take a TV bite, you know, so yeah, they don't want it yeah. in their teeth and everything. They're like, give me those wings. Yes. And I thought to myself, that guy can cook because otherwise they would have been polite and just said, oh, nice, and sit it aside like you typically see. They were killing it. It was so cool. That was one of those moments, Marty, where I was just so like, out of everything that I've done in my career, and I know this just sounds like I'm BSing right now, but that was one of those big giant moments here i am on good morning america and i'm talking about my people's food you're the ambassador yes and it's like i've told the world about chicken adobo and then michael strahan's just killing it i mean literally he was trying to act like he wasn't and he was like no no they ate all of them and they asked for more so you got to tell me about a few things that i don't know about lumpia did i say it right hands down the best lumpia all right so I have a friend. He's in a lot of movies, a lot of TV shows, Crazy Rich Asians, Silicon Valley, Jimmy O. Yang, great Chinese American actor. Okay. <laughs> and uh, he swears <laughs> that his dad makes the best egg rolls in the world, Chinese egg rolls. And I told him there is no egg roll like the Filipino egg roll. Whatever Chinese people did when they came to the Philippines and started making egg rolls, the Filipinos were like, we can change this a little bit. It's, there's too much of this in there. Let's take that out. Let's, let's make it a little more crispy. Let's use a different kind of paper. I'm telling you, Marty, I'm going to give you some Chinese egg rolls and I'm going to give you lumpia and I'm not going to tell you which one is which. I guarantee you will pick Filipino lumpia over any egg roll that's ever been made. And I challenge any of your viewers and listeners, Filipino egg roll is the best egg roll. Okay, down. We're down with that. I'll take that challenge. So tell me how we make it really quickly. Tell you what, Marty, Marty, I'm going to interrupt you. Okay. I'm going to do a video with Jimmy O. Yang and myself. We're going to have the egg rolls. Maybe we can ship it no, to I'll you. I'll come and I'll be the taste tester. You fry it up and we won't even tell you whose is whose. And I guarantee you, watch what you choose. And I'm, gonna, I'm willing to tell Jimmy okay. right now, I'm going to bet the house on it. I go, Marty's going to pick mine. I'm going to fly myself out there and come and taste test these things. And we're going to show the world. Yes. But I want to know how it's made really quick. Is it the same technique? So you have a filling, you put it into the paper, whatever that is. And yes, you stir fry the vegetables first. That's most important. That's the key is the vegetables is all the flavor. That's where all the flavor comes from. See that up carrots you know the less is more to me but my mom sometimes will load it up she'll put carrots and potatoes and all kinds of stuff chop it up nicely season it and then your ground beef or whatever it is that you like some people like ground shrimp sometimes it's a combination of shrimp and beef you season that up then you get your paper you roll it up nice and tight my mom makes them nice and thin most traditional egg rolls are big giant my mom's is very thin and crispy the more wrapper to uh, filling ratio. What is it called? Filling. Yeah. 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 The, the ratio yes. is, is a lot, but my mom's ratio is perfection. The wrapper is very crispy. And then that beautiful center. Oh, my mouth is water. Just thinking about it. You don't even need to dip it in a sauce. Does it have cabbage in it too? Like a yes. regular egg roll? And then what yes. kind of seasoning does she use? Like you said, it's all about that instinct, right? It's what my mom throws in there. I just see my mom with her hands, just throwing stuff in there. Sa, 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 and okay. So we have lumpia, which is like an egg roll, but better. better. And then we have... It's the, <laughs> it's, it's the Mercedes. It's the Mercedes of egg roll. All right. And then synagogue. Where are you finding out about this stuff? I did my homework, dude. That is my favorite soup. It's our signature soup. 
And once again, there's Spanish influence in that because they use the tamarind, but they use the whole thing. Pod, the whole pod. Yeah, the whole pod. Oh, nice. uh, I don't know how to talk cook talk, Marty, so it's, I'm sorry. I'll help you with that. Yeah, they throw that in there. Lots of lemon. The sour, the better. Is it something like a lemon drop soup? No, it's lemon drop squared. It's on steroids. Yeah, yeah. Is it creamy or more like a clear brothy? Brothy. Ah. Very brothy. But the key, the key is short ribs. I mean, that's how we like to make Ooh. it. So Anything uh, with a short rib, I'm yeah. down. So the key is to take the short rib and you boil that for hours. If you can boil it for about six hours and just get that broth nice and hearty, get the bone marrow in there or whatever it is, and then you start adding your ingredients. And then that beef is really tender. I'm telling you, that's our favorite soup. The day it hits the table to three days later from the fridge and you heat it up, it's still it's good. still good. By the way, any Filipino asking about sinigang pots, there's always a pot this big, you know, like a big giant pot in the refrigerator filled with sinigang that everyone eats for like a week because there's so much. I love that. And the smell of tamarind, I love. And can I ask you this, Marty? Like, because you cook all the time, but what dish that you make the second and third day, it becomes better. Well, I make this thing called pickled shrimp, and I made it on Food Network Star. And it's not really pickled at all. You roast the shrimp in the oven. Not everybody does it this way. There's a million ways to do it, just like in your culture, in your food. There's probably a million different ways, but this is the way I've always done it and the way that I was taught to do it maybe 40 years ago. But I roast the shrimp in the oven. Golf shrimp has to be Gulf shrimp out of the Gulf of Mexico. I roast them with a little bit of olive oil, salt, and pepper, and I get them just to turning pink. You know, they're done, but they're not overdone. Then I have make my pickling liquid, and I use all kinds of seeds for that. And when the shrimp come out of the oven, I pour this pickling liquid over the top, and it's got a lot of lemon and bay leaf and clove and just all kind of yummy things that make this marinade. Well, it's good the first day after it chills and it cools down. You eat it cold. Um, but if you put it in the fridge two days later, it's even better. Yes. So it really gets into the shrimp like on the second and third day. Those are the foods that I like to eat when it's like it just gets better. How did that get better? It yeah. was already delicious. And that's what City Gong is. City Gong does that. All right. So you grew up in a family that cooks. And I have a feeling that the kitchen was the heart of the home for you. Always. It's where I'm always at. Like I'm literally doing my pod next to the kitchen because I love it there. That's my favorite room. It's my son's favorite room. We talk the most in there. It's just, I love it. But my curiosity is that I read in an LA Times article that you really didn't start cooking until your son was six. Yeah. Was it being a father that prompted you to finally jump into the kitchen? Yeah. It was also me being on the road a lot, eating out. It was my routine. It was easy. I don't have time. I always use that as an excuse. And it was just easy for my son. And plus my son you know, one through three, one through four, it's garbage. Feed the kids garbage. And it wasn't until like right around four, five, six, my son started having an appreciation for Filipino food, like really enjoying it. And that kind of stuff, you have to kind of cook at home. You know what I mean? When he gets grandma's city gong, you can't really go to a, a restaurant and find city gong that can compare. So it's kind of like you had to learn how to make it at the house. So it was always my version of my mom's stuff or, uh, you know, his mom's mom's stuff. So that's basically when I started cooking a lot more. Now, what is the dish that you cook now that he loves or maybe even something the two of you might cook together? I, I'm not going to lie. It's my sinigang. And my son still says it to this day. It makes his mommy a little jealous 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, my son always says my dad's Sinigang is still one of the best. I saw that you spent a lot of time with your kitchen. In fact, creating a kitchen that you loved. And I saw some pictures of it. What is your favorite part of your kitchen? The stove. There's just something about the stove that just makes you want to cook. Like it just has that industrial look. You know what I mean? It just looks like put a skillet on me and crack something. Let's go. Let's cook. And it's like, all right, I'm listening to you, sir. <laughs> so you're, the kitchen is your favorite room of your whole house. And you have really been at home a lot more this year, I imagine. Oh, yeah. 100%. I, I love it. And I understand there's a lot of people that are dealing with this in a different way. And God bless, I've been in a position where I can take time off. But before this all happened, I was literally on the ground running. And I didn't know how much I was missing. And it made me really sad because this really opened my eyes on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sundays that I was missing and then only having Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays with my son. What does a typical weeknight meal look for you now that you are at home and you're able to cook? Oh, now, you know, here's the funny thing. Now that I have the time, cooking is a, a special event now. So now it's kind of like it falls on maybe one day of the week because now my son enjoys restaurants. He's a foodie. And he's really into finding new places for new things. And I get it. What else can we do during this time? Everyone has moved out into the street. Uh, a lot of people are not going out and staying in. So a lot of things for my son to entertain himself closed. So the one thing that entertains him that he enjoys doing is finding and going and experiencing new food places. It's kind of cool. I've been going with him. He's finding these cool hamburger places in gas stations and they're amazing the kids are tuned in they are it's a foodie culture they got it going my son two days ago was like dad you want to go to donut man it's still open 24-hour donut shop first of all uh marty i'm a huge donut fanatic i love donuts i can't stop and he found this place called donut man that's in pomona it's like 30 miles from here and he was like dad it was like one in the morning he's like you want to go get some donuts <laughs> duh <laughs> yes yeah yes let's go You're listening to Homemade. We'll be right back after the break. Hey, everyone. I'm Sid Evans, editor-in-chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce season five of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Marty Duncan, and my guest today is comedian and TV star Joe Coy. All right. So because you have traveled the world, you've been everywhere, you've done everything, done yes. shows everywhere. What's your favorite food city wow. outside of, let's just say, your home market, because everybody loves their home food, where they come from, their favorite restaurants, the local places. But if I said, I got a plane, let's go somewhere and let's just eat for like three days, where would we go? Okay. Marty, I feel like you are the kind of lady that goes, let me try that, right? Sometimes. I was in Singapore 
I was doing a show in Singapore and they have like this really famous outdoor street food. So it's street food, but it's controlled. It's like a food court. First of all, Singapore is the cleanest city in the universe. You're not allowed to throw your gum on the ground. You go to jail. Like if you walk around, you feel like you're on a movie set. It's immaculate. So when I'm talking street food, don't think of like your typical street food. This is like a very organized street food area. Everyone goes to it, but they're cooking like on top of an open flame. It looks like a little kiosk. All right, you ready? I'm ready. For what I'm about to tell you. Yes, bring it. I ate stingray. Oh, I'm, I thought it was going to be something much worse. Oh, really? Yeah, I had on Emmy made from Emmy made in Japan, and she eats tarantulas. So I thought you were going to say something like an insect. I would never do that. Wasn't stingray always looked at as just like this big, beautiful thing that you appreciate? You know what I mean? I would never thought about eating it. And by the way, the presentation is literally a stingray on top of a paper plate covered in really? sauce. Like it's, you're looking at this stingray, like they don't chop it up. It's it, like a whole stingray. It's a stingray and you're literally just scooping it out and eating it. Does it have like a gelatinous texture no. to it? Oh my God. It literally has a crab meat texture. Oh wow. And it's phenomenal. Flaky and stringy and a little dense texture to it, like crab meat individualized you know how crab is very clumpy unless you peel it apart whereas this is already pulled apart it's like you scoop it and it's ready to go the most amazing thing i've ever had was that stingray in singapore oh wow that's amazing i'm so fascinated that was fascinating to me i thought it was illegal i'm like are we gonna go to jail for this are we supposed to eat stingray the least favorite thing that i ever did marty was going to australia and i was doing a tour in australia and the promoter took us to the koala kangaroo petting zoo. It's this huge place. I mean, it's beautiful. It's just kangaroos, just galore, just, just jumping all over. It's a preserve, right? right like, right. The, like they're living their best life, you know. And uh, and I'm petting them. You got seeds, and you're you're feeding them. And as I'm petting on my fifteenth kangaroo, doing videos with it, my promoter goes, "Hey, you know, it's even better than petting them, eating them." I'm like, no. "What?" I go, what are you talking about? No. Yeah, yeah. If you, uh, you know, you got you to gotta eat a kangaroo. Yeah, you got to try it, mate. And I'm like, dude, I'm not going to sit here and pet this beautiful thing and then eat it. Ah, oh, mate, you got to. No, yeah. you did not. We went to this beautiful steakhouse, like five-star steakhouse. Our table is facing the water. I'm just trying to get, visualize just how beautiful the steakhouse is. And on the menu is kangaroo. No. And I swear, Marty, tears <laughs> falling from my face because i'm looking at the promoter like i don't want to do this man yeah they're the sweetest loving things why are we doing this well, and he brought kangaroo out and i, I just I, I took one bite and it's just the mental was just horrific I, I was like i could eat a cow but this is a beautiful kangaroo that i i was just petting this thing and now i'm eating his what his tail why are we doing this oh my gosh that is tears. awful Tears, Marty. Look at me. Tears in a beautiful restaurant. And I'm like, what are we? Are we savages? Yes, we are. You're dressed up in your tuxedos and suits and you're eating kangaroos. And, what do they do to us? And you're eating Tears. Skippy or whatever his name is. Hoppy. Skippy. Skippy and Hoppy <laughs> and Pouch. My mother tricked me one time into eating rabbit 
my mother yeah. and my brother, my little brother. And he had these rabbits in the backyard that he was growing that I thought were pets. We always took them out. We played with them. We <sighs> fed them. And one day I came home from softball practice or something. My mother would always keep a plate for me like on the stove. Right. And so and I said, oh, is that my plate? Mom said, yeah, that's your plate. So I went and I got it and I sat down and my mother made the best fried chicken. I mean, the best, best, best fried chicken. I'm like, oh, fried chicken. How awesome. Took a bite. And I'm like, it tastes different. You made it different. And my mother and my brother kind of looked at each other, you know, didn't say anything. I'm like, this is different. What did you do different? And uh -huh. they both just bust out laughing. They're like, it's the rabbit. And I'm like, I'm eating the pet uh -huh. rabbit. I just bawled. Uh -huh. Just cried. I mean, it's a oh. pet. And my brother's like, I was raising them to eat them. They weren't a pet. I'm like, they were a oh, pet to me. Man. So anyway, after that, I was very suspect of both my mother and my brother. And yeah, yeah. they wanted to present me with any food. I'm like, mm, not so fast. Nah. How humiliating when your mom and brother made the rabbit and the sides were carrots. Like, what are you guys? <laughs> You're evil people. <laughs> we're eating everything the rabbit did. It enjoyed carrots. Yeah, he loved his carrots. And now we're eating him. Oh, my God, I'm cracking up. You with are his cra carrots. <laughs> you need a southern accent, though. Wait a he, minute. Why, he, why are we eating the rabbit? Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. you ate the rabbit, was it on the bone? Yes. Oh. I know. Exactly. Hands up. No. Get back. All right. Let's get back to something that else that I really want to know about. Basically, your big celebratory thing is called a K-Mayan. K-Mayan. What is that? So imagine a long eight-foot table, okay? A wooden table. They line the whole top with banana leaves. It's covered in banana leaves, okay. right? Now they put everything on the banana leaves. They put the garlic rice. They put big, giant shrimps. They put longanisa, which is Chinese sausage. Uh, what else? Oh, our barbecue. By the way, Filipino barbecue, the best barbecue. You know, the kebabs, we, we put it on. <laughs> we, <laughs> I'm being serious. I'm only laughing because everybody says that about their barbecue. Yeah, Ours always, right? It's the best. Ours is the best. So you got the barbecue skewers. You got fried chicken. You got everything. You got lechon. That's what we call our big roasted pig. The pork skin. Yeah, the skin. They eat the skin. Chincharones. Chincharones. Yeah, that's right. So all of that is on the table. But no one has a fork and a spoon or a knife. You wash your hands, you eat what's in front of you, that little portion right there, there should be enough of everything for every person that's in front of that part. And you just eat with your hands and you guys just talk and eat. And, and that's called Kamayan. I think it's a lovely and really special thing to get to see other people's cultures, their traditions, the things that are important to them. All right, so tell me a little bit about your time on Beat Bobby Flay. How'd you happen to do that? I watched, I think, every single episode. When you're on the road, you got a lot of time in the room. And I love the fact that they put Bobby Flay on repeat. You can catch six episodes from 11 o'clock to 2 o'clock in the morning. And I was literally buried in Bobby Flay. And literally, I asked my publicist, I was like, I need to be on this show. I don't understand why I'm not. I've, I've watched every episode. I know exactly what Bobby likes. I know exactly what might beat him. <laughs> you know his kryptonite. Yeah, but... Man, this guy comes through all the time. What drives me crazy about Bobby is he'll even say, I don't even know what this is that I'm doing. He goes, I know what they like in this culture, so I'm just going to put my little twist on it. And then he wins. I'm like, wait a minute. That's not fair. Yeah. How did that happen? Yeah. But then you try it, Marty. 
Then you taste it. I tried it and I was like, oh my God, what am I eating right now? Yeah, he's amazing. I want to circle back to your cooking for a minute. Yeah. When we were talking earlier about how adobo is your thing and you were saying your barbecue is like the world's greatest barbecue. And I said, we all say our barbecue is the best in the world. So your chicken adobo is like that. Everybody says theirs is the best and there's lots and lots and lots of versions of it. But I want to know about your version of chicken adobo. Walk me through that recipe. Okay. Why is my chicken adobo so good? Let me tell you why. Traditionally, it's made in a lot of sauce, right? Okay. It's all the parts of the chicken, the wing, the drumstick, the thigh, put it all in there, the breast. I'm a big chicken wing fan. When someone says, hey, you want some chicken wings? It's like three flavors. It's barbecue, it's spicy, or it's just regular with salt. I was like, you know what really tastes good is adobo sauce. Why haven't they made a chicken wing adobo sauce? Because every time when we make adobo, I'm the first one to grab the wings out of the pot. Boom, boom. I grab them, eat them, done. And it's delicious. I'm like, I'm going to make my version of this. And it needs a little bit of a crisp. So adobo is usually boiled in the sauce and marinade, and that's how you eat it. So it's not a crispy take on it. It's just boiled meat, right? Boiled marinated meat. So I was like, how about if I make the adobo with just the chicken wings in the pot? Then I take it out of the pot and stick it in the oven and then crisp it. And then I take the sauce from the pot and when it's done being crispy, pour a thin layer of that on top of the crispiness. And you toss it in that. Just slightly. Yes. And then serve it. Like, and then Super Bowl Sunday, watch which wing they're eating the most. I already know because I saw it when Michael Strahan and them went crazy eating those crazy. things on Good Morning America. Okay, so tell me a little bit about what you've got coming up. I know you're going to get back on the road soon. You yes. have a new Netflix special. Right now I'm writing a movie based on my life with Steven Spielberg's people. So Amblin gave me a deal. Tell me a little bit more about that. I think the coolest thing that's ever happened in my career would have to be getting a phone call from Amblin Entertainment to come do a general meeting at the lot. And I went in, and the first thing they say to me is, Stephen loves your stuff. And I looked at him going, Stephen who? Do you mean <laughs> Stephen from accounting? Yeah. Uh, which Stephen are we talking about? And they were like, uh, Spielberg loves you. And uh, he saw your special, and he can't wait to be, like, just the nicest compliments. He can't wait to meet you. And so you're like pinching yourself. I mean, like, you don't already pinch yourself every day yeah. anyway. Because, I mean, it's all happening. It's all happening. Oh, thank you. That's a perfect example. If, if I didn't shoot that live from Seattle myself, that meeting with Steven wouldn't have happened. And that's the benefit of taking charge of your own destiny, making things happen. And because of Life from Seattle, I got Coming In Hot. And when Coming In Hot came out on Netflix, Steven watched that. That's the special he watched. And we had the meeting. And basically, they go, what movie ideas do you have? And I pitched them this movie idea that I had with Dan Lin, who's an amazing producer. He did Aladdin, It 1 and 2, Lego movies. I pitched the movie I pitched to him. And they were like, we'd love to take on this project with Dan Lin. And, and that's where we're at right now. We're writing it. And uh, I am so excited. I can't wait to find out more and hear more about this. Oh, I got a book. What? Yeah. So the book drops March. What's it called? It's Mixed Plate. It's like an autobiography type of a thing. Yeah, it's about me. Have you got recipes in there too? Yes, we did. What? We put recipes in there as well. How awesome. Marty, you're going to love this book. It's got the adobo. Yeah. It's got egg roll. It's got sinigang in there. 
And then what's even cool about it is mixed plate, you know, that's a Hawaiian dish, yes. but mixed plate has everything. It has Korean barbecue. It has spam. It has macaroni salad. It has rice. It has everything. Every culture is on that plate. And that's basically my life. And that's basically me. I can't even tell you how much I have enjoyed having you on Homemade today. You have made the day so much more fun and brighter for me. I can't wait to try Filipino cuisine. You have inspired me to go out and seek some out. And I am very, very thrilled to have met you and gotten the chance to talk to you today. Oh, I love you, Marty. I love you back. You're the best, Marty. I think you are. All right, bye. Bye. You can find Joe Coy's specials on Netflix. He also has a new book coming out in March and so much more. You can keep up with him on joecoy.com. That's J-O-K-O-Y.com. And you can follow him on Instagram at Joe Coy. On Facebook, he posts the funniest videos with his mom. You are going to love them. Coming up next week, I'm talking to Dan Pashman. He's the creator and host of the James Beard Award-winning podcast, The Sporkful, which he says is not for foodies, it's for eaters. So in any kind of layered food, you want to think about what is the order of the layers as they hit your tongue, because whatever is on the bottom layers, I think it's going to land on your tongue, that flavor will be accentuated. That's why, for instance, I would say you should eat a cheeseburger with the cheese side down. When you're eating a salad, you want to fork around the salad and build a bite on the fork, ending with the thing you like the best so that that's on the tip of the fork. It lands on your tongue and that flavor is accentuated. Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss it. And please leave us a review so we know how we're doing. Don't forget, you can find thousands of recipes, meal ideas, and cooking how-tos from the world's largest community of cooks at allrecipes.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This podcast was recorded in Birmingham, edited in Atlanta, and can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Homemade is produced by All Recipes with executive editor Jason Burnett. Thanks to our Pod People production team, Rachel King, Eliza Lambert, Tanya Ott, and Maya Croft. Thanks for listening. I'm Marty Duncan, and this is Homemade.